0: Welcome to the Burning Hearts Church podcast. We are so glad that you're joining us this week. And today, as I was kind of thinking and praying about uh, what to share, there's there all kinds of things going through my mind. I'm like, oh man, we've covered so much ground through these f- past few weeks. But something came up as I was talking to, to Dennis a couple weeks ago before one of our prayer meetings. And it's something that we haven't talked about much in in the realm of discipleship. And I I went back and started studying the word. And I was like, oh, I I came away with this this concept being reinforced. And so I want to lay something out for, for you today. But before I do that, I want to just go into some scripture. So let's go to the Old Testament. This is a picture of discipleship that we see in the Old Testament. This is 1 Kings 19 Verses 19 through 21. So Elijah went from there and found Elisha, son of Shaphat. He was plowing with 12 yoke of oxen, and he himself was driving the 12th pair. Elijah went up to him and threw his cloak around him. Elisha then left his oxen and ran after Elijah. Let me kiss my father and mother goodbye, he said, and then I will come to you. Go back, Elijah replied. What have I done to you? So Elisha left him and went back. He took his yoke of oxen and slaughtered them. He burned the plowing equipment to cook the meat and gave it to the people and they ate. Then he set out to follow Elijah and become his servant. First of all, if you don't think that God has a sense of humor, the story of Elijah and Elisha. Forevermore, when, when pastors are talking about it, we get the names mixed up. Oh, which one is Elijah? Elisha. Okay. The, the enunciation is, is really needed. And I think it's the sense of humor of God that, that we're sharing this story thousands of years later and still, oh, those names are so tough. Um, so I want to I want to share just an insight from from this part when Elijah called Elisha. There's this interesting parallel between when Elijah called Elisha and when Jesus called the disciples, and, and it's interesting. Jesus actually set the bar higher than Elijah did. You know, Jesus said, "Follow me," right? And, and Elijah's like, "Oh yeah, you can go back and take care of your affairs and then follow me." Um, but it, but it's interesting. What Elisha did was, was so powerful. He went back and he got rid of his fallback plan, right? He, burnt, or he, he, he slaughtered his oxen and he burnt his plowing equipment and he no longer had a fallback plan. He's like, I am all in in following Elijah, right? He burned the ship, so to speak. And I think that's what Jesus is calling, calling us to do as followers of him, and, and, and Pastor Jana mentioned it last week. It's not that Jesus wants to give up us to give up our careers. He wants us to surrender everything to him. And I think what Elisha was doing here was actually changing his identity. in that Western culture, like our, their identity was, you know their, their trade or whatever they did. E- Elisha was a farmer, and then their identity was of their family, right? So often we, we see people referred to as so-and-so, son of so-and-so. So I'm Nathan, son of Robert. Like, that was my identity in, 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 the, in that Western culture. And what Jesus is, is saying to us is that our identity no longer has to be in what we do. And our identity is not our, our familial identity. Our identity is as a follower of Christ, Right? And that's what, what this gives us a picture of. Our identity needs to be as his disciples. The next passage we'll, we'll jump down to this is so there, there's a bunch of stuff that happened in between. Uh, but this is when Elijah is about to be taken uh, from the earth. Elijah doesn't die, he like, goes up in a whirlwind. Kind of amazing. And Elijah, Elisha knows this and keeps kind of clinging to his side. 2 Kings 2, verse 7, 50 men from the company of the prophets went and stood at a distance, facing the place where Elijah and Elisha had stopped at the Jordan. Elijah took his cloak, rolled it up, and struck the water with it. The water divided to the right and to the left, and the two of them crossed over on dry ground. When they had crossed, Elijah said to Elisha, Tell me, what can I do for you before I'm taken from you? Note this, let me inherit a double portion of your spirit, Elisha replied. You have asked a difficult thing, Elijah said. Yet if you see me when I'm taken from you, it will be yours. Otherwise it will not. As they were walking along and talking together, suddenly a chariot of fire and horses of fire appeared and separated the two of them. And Elijah went up to heaven in a whirlwind. Elisha saw this and cried, My father, my father, the chariots and horsemen of Israel. And Elisha saw him no more. Then he took a hold of his garment and tore it in two. This was, this was an act of, of, of sadness. He rent his garment. Elisha then picked up Elijah's cloak that had fallen from him and went back and stood On the bank of the Jordan he took the cloak that had fallen from Elijah and struck the water with it where now is the Lord the God of Elijah he asked when he struck the water it divided to the right and to the left and he crossed over and so if you don't know this the whole background you probably gather that Elijah and Elisha are prophets Elijah you know one of the most famous prophets of the Old Testament and Elisha was Elijah's understudy his his disciple And Elisha ended up with with Elijah's cloak or his mantle, which represented the anointing that was on Elijah's life. And and through the series, we've talked about this idea that that discipleship is not only an information transfer. It's not just us learning how to be a better Christian. It's actually that that our life uh, as a discipler gets multiplied in the disciplee. Like there's a transfer that happens there. It's a, it's a reproduction of the discipler and the person be, being discipled. And I think that a big part of that, that reproduction or that transfer is, is a transfer of anointing. And we'll call this impartation. And the concept that I want us to take home today is that impartation, this transfer of anointing, happens through discipleship even more than that i think that discipleship is is actually the framework within we have probably the primary biblical pattern for impartation and we don't always think of it that way and you might be asking yourself okay what what in the world is he talking about impartation it's this christianese word right uh and maybe you've been to like a, a conference or whatever and, and, and you've, you've been a part of an impartation service and, and the part of network of churches that we're a part of, Dr. Randy Clark, he will always have an impartation service at his conferences and amazing things happen. Like the power of the Holy Spirit comes and, 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 and it's just amazing. And I've received a lot uh, in those services and what's happening there is Matthew ten eight. It's like freely you've received, freely give. That's what's happening. Uh, but I think what can happen, doing that in the context of discipleship can be even more powerful. Because not only can an, an anointing, a gifting be transferred, it can also be grown. It can also be molded and shaped. It can be pruned. And we'll talk about that in a little bit. So before I get farther, I want to define impartation a little more. Hebrews 6, 1 through 3. This is like the writer of Hebrews is, is laying out what are the elementary teachings of Christ. Therefore, let us move beyond the elementary teachings about Christ and be taken forward to maturity, not laying again the foundation of repentance from acts that lead to death and faith in God, instruction about cleansing rites, the laying on of hands, the resurrection of the dead, and eternal judgment. And God permitting, we will do so. I think sometimes I look at that passage and I'm like, oh, these are the elementary teachings. We need to, we need to hit those a little bit more. But we're going to talk about the laying, of, laying on of hands right now. Uh, and, and that's placed. The writer of Hebrews places that in one of the elementary teachings of Christ. And what can happen with the laying on of hands? A- an anointing is, is received. And again, anointing is maybe this Christian term that we use. But basically, it's like a, a gifting or a grace that's given from God. It's of God. In the Old Testament, the anointing was like, it was represented by oil. It was, it was sticky. It stayed on someone. And an example of an anointing, I'm going to embarrass him for a second, but Pastor Chris, Pastor Chris has an anointing for worship, right? Like, he, he leads worship here, and, 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 the, and, the, and the whole worship team has this anointing, and it, the anointing on his life and their lives draws us into the presence of God. And, and you can recognize it. You can feel it when it happens. And, and Pastor Chris has an amazing musical gift, but he'd be the first to tell you that, that it's not his musical gift that helps us enter the presence of God. It's, it's the anointing. It's the Holy Spirit resting on his life that, that, that helps us corporately go there. And it's amazing, like sometimes it's the anointing that, that's on him and the, and the worshipers together that pull us in, and sometimes God just sovereignly does it. He just shows up. There'll be times when I talk to him, he's like, I wasn't feeling anything at all, but look what happened, you know? So it, it, goes, it goes both ways, and I want to highlight that as well. Okay, so the anointing can come in the form of a spiritual authority. We'll talk about Jesus doing that in a second. It it can come from a gift, in the form of a gift or gifts of the Holy Spirit. Those are found in 1 Corinthians 12, Romans 12. The anointing can come in the form of power. And it it can be the baptism of the Holy Spirit. That can happen with the laying on of hands. Also with the laying on of hands, and we're not going to focus on these today. You can receive healing, uh, or you can receive like a, a commissioning or an ordination. But we're going, to trans- we're going to focus on the transfer of anointing. So some examples of this, uh, an Old Testament example, Deuteronomy 34:9. Now, Joshua the son of Nun, so you know Joshua and Moses, they they had sort of this this disciple disciple or discipler relationship. Now, Joshua the son of Nun was filled with the spirit of wisdom because Moses had laid his hands on him. So the Israelites listened to him and did what the Lord had commanded Moses. So there was this transfer of wisdom that went to Joshua from Moses. There are several passages in Acts where people received the Holy Spirit or were baptized in the Spirit by the laying on of hands. Uh, there's Acts chapter 8 where Simon the sorcerer got, got jealous of the power that he saw come on other people's lives when people laid hands on them. And he, he wanted to pay for it, actually, and, and they, actually, they had to rebuke him. Acts 19, the believers in Ephesus received the Holy Spirit and, and prophesied, spoke the word of God, after Paul placed his hands on them. And, and I want you to catch this. Impartation does not just have to come through the laying of, on of hands, it can come from seeking, just seeking God in prayer or God just sovereignly doing it. Numbers 11, 16, and 17. So this is Moses and a bunch of the leaders. And, and Moses had been carrying the, the, the load, so to speak, in leadership. And so the Lord said to Moses, bring me 70 of Israel's elders who were known to you as leaders and officials among the people. Have them come to the tent of meeting that they may stand there with you. I will come down and speak with you there and I will take some of the power of the Holy Spirit that is on you and I will put it on them. There's that transfer of anointing. They will share the burden of the people with you so that you will not have to carry it alone. (laughs) Another funny example of this, this makes me laugh every time so if you remember the story of saul and when samuel i think it was visited him and gave him these signs that he was to become king right and in one samuel 10 one of those signs is that when samuel got into the presence of this this group of prophets that he was going to just start prophesying right And, and it's interesting the the response of the people around him is like is saul now among the prophets right and, and it happened again in in Samuel nineteen first Samuel nineteen and this one's even funnier it, like he came in the presence of the prophets again to the point where he like stripped off all his clothes and, and like started started prophesying and, and I want to say to you it, that was embarrassing, but don't worry, God's probably probably not going to do that to you, but I'm just illustrating how how an anointing or a gifting can be transferred. Uh, either by laying on of hands or just simply being the pre- like the the spirit of prophecy rested on this group of prophets and Saul just stepped into there and started prophesying and that still happens today. All right, so impartation. So what what does it mean? It's it's simply to give, right? I'm I'm giving something. I'm imparting something to you. So I, I want to look at some some examples of impartation through discipleship. And we'll move into the, the New Testament now. Uh, after, after we talk about Elijah and Elisha a little more. They were, they were in a discipling you know, apprenticeship for quite a while. I was searching, you know, Bible scholars say anywhere from four to six years. So Elisha followed Elijah around, saw these amazing miracles that happened uh, in his life and what did this do to Elisha it marked him he got this hunger inside of him and so much to at the at the end of Elijah's life when Elijah asked what he could do for him Elisha says I want you have what you have but I want twice as much what an audacious request right a little bit audacious but I think that Elisha had the heart of God in that. What well, we see, he actually got what he asked for, right? He got, he got the mantle. He got the anointing of Elijah. And, and I've heard people say it different ways, that Elisha did twice as many powerful miracles that Elijah did. Uh, if, if you study it, like, it's amazing what happened through those guys. And it's amazing the anointing that, that uh, landed on Elisha's life but he had the heart of God, and and Jesus actually tells it to us in in 1 John 14, 12, that whoever has faith uh, in him would do greater things than he did because he was going to the Father. And just like Elijah went to the Father on a whirlwind and Elisha did greater things, he's actually calling us to do greater things because he went to the Father and he's given us the Holy Spirit. We have to have a desire for that anointing, though. Let's look at another New Testament example in Luke 9. This is 1 through 2 and then verse 6. And we've covered this in, in previous weeks, but this is when Jesus gathered the 12 disciples together. He gave them power and authority to drive out all demons and cure diseases. And he sent them out to proclaim the kingdom of God and to heal all the sick. And so that's what they did. In verse 6, they, they set out and went from village to village, proclaiming the good news and healing people everywhere. And here they were, the disciples, like fishermen and tax collectors and all these different things. And, and they followed Jesus around. They heard all this teaching. But all of a sudden, there's this moment where Jesus says, okay, I'm giving you my authority. Now go out and do what I did. That was discipleship. He did it again in in uh, Luke chapter 10 with the 72, and we've covered that a couple times. He, he gave to them his authority. He sent them out, and he, and he saw the fruit of what he had been given, or what they had been given. And, and it's kind of funny, they have this teaching moment afterwards, like rejoice that your names are written in heaven, not just that, that the demons flee from you. And the, and, and the word impart in Greek... We'll, we'll look at it a second in uh, Romans one eleven. It says, "I long to be for you, or I long to see you, that I may impart to you." That word "impart" is the same has the same root in Greek as "give." Didomi, like what Jesus gave, he he imparted to them. He imparted power and authority to the disciples, and he commissioned them. He gave them a mission. He gave them a place and a purpose to use what was given to them. And so that's another piece of discipleship that I think is important when we're not only like, okay, this is the anointing on my life. I'm going to pray that you receive it. But I'm actually going to help you find a place to use it. And I'm going to help you um, find your mission in using this gift. He sent them out. Give everything that has been given to you and and then send them out, empower them and help them to find what they're called to if they don't know. That's discipleship. Let's look at Paul and his life a little bit. I just read part of Romans 1.11. I long to see you that I may impart to you some spiritual gift to make you strong. And in 12, that is that you and I may be mutually encouraged by each other's faith. Paul, writing to the believers in Rome, he he wanted to be with them so he could give, he could transfer, he could activate spiritual gifts in them to strengthen them. And he knew that through that process, he would be encouraged as well, right? Paul had many people he discipled, Uh, One of them being Timothy. In 2 Timothy 1, verses 3 to 6. So this is Paul writing to Timothy. I thank God whom I serve as my ancestors did with a clear conscience. As night and day, I constantly remember you in my prayers. Like, think about that. (laughs) It's a little convicting. I read this and I'm like, oh man, people that I'm discipling, am I constantly remembering them in my prayers? Recalling your tears, I long to see you so that I might be filled with joy. I am reminded of your sincere faith, which first lived in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice. And I am persuaded now lives in you also. For this reason, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of hands. So we see Paul in action. (laughs) He's called at the beginning of of Second Timothy, we see Paul saying like, my dear son, my dear son, we have to have this, this, this family relationship with those that we disciple and who we're being discipled by. Paul tells Timothy, again, he's been praying for him night and day, and that he's, he, he sees, he's calling out the faith that, that he sees that Timothy has that was in his mother and his grandmother. Like, as we're discipling people, we need to encourage them in the gift that we see in them. And he's also reminding Timothy, so we have this picture, like, either Paul was the one doing it or he was there um, when Timothy received a gift from the laying on of hands. And that's impartation again and, and what paul is doing is he's holding timothy accountable to what's been given to him but he's doing that through the heart of a father that's what discipleship does and i've personally experienced it, that myself um, many of you know pastor jana but before she was pastor jana to me she was like a, a spiritual mom and and ted a spiritual dad for many years ever long before she was my pastor i learned to hear god's voice from being around her by watching how she and ted live their lives and i can't point to a specific time but i know there are times where they say everything i've received i give it to you And, and and i i i experienced that in my own life even even now, like there'll be times when I'm, I'm praying you know, at the altar with Pastor Jana or whatever over someone and it's like there's this grace, like all of a sudden I can just hear God so much more easily and it's easy to encourage people and, and pray what are secrets of their hearts because I'm just by her. And, that, and that's impartation. And I want you all to experience the same if you haven't experienced that. So I want to close with just a few questions to ask yourself and an encouragement. So questions. As a disciple, are you allowing the things you're seeing and hearing to stir a greater hunger in you? Are you like Elisha? that are like, oh man, these amazing things are happening. I want more of that in my life. Is the anointing on your life provoking or stirring a greater desire for God? So as as someone who's being watched, someone who's being discipled, is the anointing on your life actually provoking people into hunger of more of him? Are you giving, another question, are you giving everything you receive to those in your life? (laughs) As you've been given, freely give, freely receive, freely give. Do you believe that you have an anointing? And talking to Dennis, <laughs> this verse came up. The truth is that you have an anointing. 1 John 2.20, you have an anointing from the Holy One. It might be anointing to, to preach or teach. It might be an anointing to see the sick healed. It might be an anointing for mercy. It might be a, an anointing for help. It might be an anointing for administration. It might be an anointing for serving. You all have a gift from God. Through Christ, the Holy Spirit is in you, and he is the giver, and he gives good gifts. And I want to stir you, and if you're in this place, and you feel like, oh, I've, yeah, I've, I've experienced that. I've experienced anointing, but you become satisfied with where you're at, I want you to know that there's always more. We are continually being transformed into his likeness. We are to be continually going from glory to glory. Do not be satisfied with the anointing that you have and always be asking for more. It's the hungry that are going to be filled and those who pour out who are going to be poured into. So pour out everything to him pour out everything to him. Amen? Amen. Why don't you stand up? We're going to pray. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I just encourage you to to hold out your hands like you're going to receive And I just want to pray that you would receive or that the anointing that's inside of you would be stirred up, all right? So Holy Spirit, come. Holy Spirit, come in this place. You are the giver, and you give gifts. You give gifts of, your, of yourself, gifts of the Holy Spirit, but you, you, you give more than that. You are the giver of everything. And I pray for people in this room that the gift inside of them, just like Paul was praying for Timothy, that you would fan into flame the gifts that have been given to them, that you would fan into flame what's in their heart, that you would stir it up in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, the gifts of of the power of the Holy Spirit, the gift of faith, the gift of healing, the gift to prophesy, the gifts of words of knowledge, the gifts of administration, the gifts of helps, the gifts of mercy, gifts of leadership, gifts of teaching. All of those things, Father. And I pray that anybody in this room that feels like their gift isn't valuable, Father, that you would just wipe that lie away in the name of Jesus. That you would wipe that lie away in the name of Jesus and that you would bring to realization the beauty of the diversity of the body of Christ. And Father, so I pray that this body, that the hands, would realize their hands, the feet that would, would realize their feet, the legs, the arms, the body, the backbone, all of them with, with the head being Christ would, would, would realize who they are and that the gifts would be strong, that we would had a strong, a strong body here and across the world. So we thank you, Jesus. We hope this message encouraged you today. For more information about Burning Hearts Church and our mission, please head to burningheartsfargo.com.